Welcome to Scale and Bail with John Woolley and Ben Zawalski, presented to you by Innovate. This weekly podcast is designed for those of you that are looking for ways to be more efficient and effective in the gym without feeling like you have to max out every workout. We'll be covering topics relative to all aspects of fitness, and we'd love to spend time with you here each and every week, so get subscribed on all your favorite podcast apps and YouTube. Now on to the show. Ben Zawalski, what's going on, my man? We're back at it again. Feels like it's been a lifetime, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not like we recorded one last night. <laughs> I like these back-to-back. It makes my mind work about what we need to talk about. Like I, I, work, I work better on deadline. I don't know about you, but I have to have deadlines. Otherwise, I don't get shit done. Three words. Pressure makes diamonds. Oh, well, look at that. That's that sounds fancy. I don't make a lot of diamonds, but I'm constantly under pressure. So maybe I should be a diamond. It's, it's always what I would tell myself and tell other people as I procrastinated to the last second in some cases to submit papers and projects in college. And I would just pride myself in getting A's despite having written you know, the final term paper all 20 pages in the last three hours or something like that. But I'd always be like, pressure makes diamonds. Wow. Well, I I would have been ecstatic getting A's in college. I would be lying if I said I was a good college student. I was not. I was good at practicing guitar and uh, hanging out with my buddies and playing video games. I was really good at that. C's get degrees, man. Yeah. Well, there you go. Tell that to my dad that wastes a lot of money on a guitar degree. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's jump into the topic. Before we uh, get rolling, let's talk about our sponsor uh, really for this whole quarter, which is UCAN. I talk about them all the time, but you know, it's funny. I got up this morning, dude, I rolled out of bed at six o'clock. I started work at like six 30 and I've been going ever since. And one of the first things I did today, because I knew I was going to have a, like a packed day was I took a UCAM bar and it's just super starch. It's, um, you know, it gives me like a constant stream of energy. So what it does for me, and I've talked about this a lot is it just keeps my blood sugar regulated. And so I feel like I can, kind of work through those tough moments without, you know, fatigue or that crash. I'm not getting that big sugar high. Maybe you get, if you had like a big donut for breakfast, which I love donuts. Donuts Um, are very delicious. Oh, Donuts are always delicious, but you know, I crash. Like if I, you know, if you have a coffee and a donut and go to work, I'm ready for a nap by nine 30. And uh, this just helps me through that. And then I'll probably take another one this afternoon before I go do the workout. I have a, uh, uh, wide schedule this afternoon at four 30 and it's uh, rowing and assault bike and just a lot of cardio stuff that I hate, but it's good for me. Um, but it's, you know, moderately long and I'm going to need some energy to get through it. And so that's what I use it for. Just, you know, to, you know, help me feel like I'm not having a lot of spikes and a lot of crashes and peaks and valleys and, um, works great for me. So do you guys want to try it? You can go to, uh, you can.co. So there's no com on this one. It's, you uh, can.co use our code scale and you'll save 20% on your purchase. Uh, there's also a link in my bio it's right at the top. You guys can go click it. It'll take you right there. Uh, you can read all about the science behind it. Uh, it's really transparent what they're doing and you can see some of the great athletes use it. Scott Panchik uses it, which is how I got turned on to them. And uh, I think you guys will love it. So with that, let's talk about our topics this week, Ben, I'm excited. 
Let's do it. I'm on UCAN's website, just looking at all the nutrition facts and it's just making me really hungry. But anyway, yeah, I'm ready to talk about topics. Yeah. So, uh, so I've been, uh, pleasantly surprised now for everyone listening, Ben and I've known each other for a long time. And when we went into this, we didn't really do little to no planning around what topics were going to be. We were just both zero. Yeah. And I've been pleasantly surprised the first two episodes at how aligned we are on kind of our feelings on things. And so I thought it'd be fun for this episode for me to create the topics and not tell you what we're covering until we cover them and now see how aligned we are. Oh man, I'm on the, on the spot. I have no idea what we're talking about today. Zero, zilch, nada. All right. Well, it'll be fun. And you know, like the other two episodes, these are just ideas that came to me from listeners. So people that follow or listen or have listened and wanted to hear topics. And so I've got we have four topics, three of which you don't have any idea what they are. So I'm just going to throw them at you at random order. So um, the first one I thought was really interesting. And I think this really applies to new CrossFitters and masters athletes was around accessory programming. Like what are the, the most important accessory pieces that you should be either programming for yourself or looking for your gym to program for you? Of course, everything comes with a giant pile of it depends. However, if I had to make some broad generalizations, one of the most important accessory pieces is strict strength. So oftentimes in gyms, you know, we look at a lot of people, they train to get better at the Metcon, right? They want to be able to exercise quickly and beat times and have, you know, get their times down, get their numbers down. And what I realize is that a huge aspect that's, that's missing in a lot of programming is that true strict strength development, where maybe we'll practice some kipping drills, we'll practice some, you know, practice the movements and then just go into the workout. And there's uh, maybe not enough time dedicated to truly develop strength. That's why like I know Marcus Philly has made um, this whole idea of functional bodybuilding popular, but really it's just, it's getting strong with non-traditional CrossFit movements, uh, more old school bodybuilding movements or old school weightlifting movements that just get you really strong. Because shockingly, when you want to get better at kipping pull-ups or bar muscle-ups or toes to bar, if you can increase your strict pull-up numbers from I don't know, one or two to five, six, seven plus, then everything gets miraculously easier. So I'd say that would be my big one right there is, is accessory strength work. You don't see my notebook, Ben? I, people listening, obviously you can't see this. Number one on my list, or you can't see it because of the- You can't see it because you have a fake background. Yeah, strict work. Top number one on my list. Because I agree with that. So something I do when I've started this whole scale process is I identified that as a weakness for me. Like I have this reoccurring shoulder issue that I've had that I got probably four or five years into CrossFit when uh, the first year they programmed bar muscle ups in the open. And I'm really good at, I've always been good at kipping, like gymnastics movements have always you know, been mostly a strength of mine. And so when they programmed them, I had never done a bar muscle up. So like most idiots, I went into the gym and like, I'm going to learn this in two hours. Hmm. Right. And for the record, I did, I learned how to do bar muscle ups in two hours. And in that first open workout, I got 16 in the first time I had done them. And ever since then, I've had a reoccurring shoulder issue. Go figure. Right. Um, To be clear, bar muscle ups can be done with zero shoulder injury. 
Of course they can. Not when you go, you know, zero to 60, uh, <laughs> you never go over 20 miles an hour. And, um, so I learned then I'm like, all right, I, I certainly need to start focusing on more strict strength and more, you know, mobility work to make sure I offset that. So one thing that I do is I routinely schedule a program for myself here in my home gym, EMOMs and, and one, you know, I'll do, so I, like, as an example, I'll do a 21 minute EMOM of three movements. So minute mm-hmm. one, it might be 15 calorie ski erg minute two, I don't know, it could be a deadlift or anything really. And then minute three will be some sort of strict movement. And so I'll mm-hmm. do as an example, strict pull-ups or strict ring dips, like something that applies to another movement I want to be able to do in other ways. So I I'm always thinking I'd like to be able to do either more kipping pull-ups or I'd like to be able to do muscle ups. And so I'll routinely program ring dips, strict, um, pull-ups, strict, in pretty decent volume because I want to keep that level of strength. So when I have to go do one or two muscle ups, I know I've still got that in the back. Yep. And my, you know, honestly, like I have fewer reoccurring shoulder issues. Like I don't have any real issues there other than, you know, I'm old and you wake up and you're like, Oh, it must be raining out. My shoulder hurts. Um, There's a low pressure system coming through today. My bunions are aching. Um, and so it's like that. And so for me, it's like that constant level of strict work is important. And I spread it across far more than just those two movements. Like I'll do, uh, like slow push-ups as an example. So, you know, push ups, yes. you know, going slow down, going slow up, or I'll put on my weight vest and do the same thing. Or sometimes I'll put a 45 pound plate on my back. You know, it's like, there's a lot of different things you can do to, to make those, you know, what I consider, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but I, I consider those real low impact movements. Yes. Moving slowly through the range of motion is a very underrated thing in what we do in CrossFit. Uh, because again, like if, if you look at it, let's look at it like a ladder. Okay. It's like the top of the ladder is the, the movement that we want to get better at. Let's, In this case, let's use bar muscle-ups as an example. There are lots of rungs on the ladder before bar muscle-ups. So while a lot of people, let's say they're going to practice something, like I need to get better bar muscle-ups, I'm just going to practice some bar muscle-ups. Unless you already have all those other rungs, all the other steps of the ladder dialed in, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of wasting your time. You would never skip a step on a ladder, or at least I wouldn't recommend it. It sounds dangerous. Um, So what I always tell people to do and what we do in our programs at Wad Prep is like, we tell people to, all right, if you want bar muscle-ups, let's focus on the three main prerequisites that lead to a beautiful bar muscle-up. Number one is strict pull-ups. Number two would be a kipping chest-to-bar pull-up. And number three would be a a kipping toes-to-bar. And we're going to develop each one of those individually. And maybe you're like, oh, wow, I can't even do a kipping chest-to-bar pull-up. It's like, okay. Now take that movement and now that's the top of the ladder for you. What are a couple fundamental building blocks of a good kipping chest of our pull-up? Obviously some kipping positioning work. So hollow and arch holds, uh, kipping levers. So basically that's like doing a kip without the pull-up. And then shockingly again, it shows up again, strict pull-ups. Um, so that's why I said strict strength. It just tends to be the building block to all of these other movements 
but it doesn't have to be. You, you can also add some dynamic range of motion, but I love the idea of taking the piece of the thing you want to get better at, doing it slow and controlled through the entire range of motion. Spoiler alert, that is the best mobility you can do in the entire world as well. So like you want to get better at overhead squats, don't take a lacrosse ball and smash your like pelvis or whatever, you know, uh, don't take a lacrosse ball and like jam it into your eyeballs, take a barbell, put it overhead and do really, really slow controlled overhead squats or even back squats. If you can't put the bar overhead, hold the bottom of a back squat with some weight on it. I like this idea of weighted range of motion. That's in wad prep specifically with our athletes. That is how myself personally and all of our athletes have seen the biggest mobility gains is just like doing the movement you're trying to get better at, doing it slow and controlled with a little bit of weight. You know, the other thing I would rather see people do and something I did early, early in my CrossFit career um, was bands for pull-ups. Mm -hmm. Like I would rather see you use bands and build that strict strength as opposed to learning kipping early. Like I've seen so many people over the years. And again, this is just observation for me. I'm certainly not a coach and I don't have a level one in any stretch of imagination, but I've seen people over the years that can learn kipping quickly and they do it to their own detriment. Right. They just had, a, they had a glass ceiling. Yeah. Or like you said, they're, they're relying on that kip swing, that momentum as a crutch. Uh, I agree entirely with the band idea. Some people use bands as a crutch. You know, I have videos and stuff about that. And I think that's relatively well known. It's like, hey, if you've been using the same band for 11 years and doing the same reps and you're wanting to make progress, you could potentially say that was a crutch. One of my favorite things, uh, and Coach CJ on the WAP Prep team programs this a lot, is banded chest to bar pull ups. So what we're doing is rather than just trying to get our chin above the bar, increase the standard to a strict chest to bar pull up with a band. And you'll be amazed at how well that carries over to just doing strict pull ups in general, because we're, we're extending that range of motion. Obviously, the way that the band works is as you get that chin closer and closer and even above the bar, the band has less tension, thus making it more difficult for you to pull. And it just, it's a great movement. We, we program, I still do it in my warm up sometimes is just throw a band on the bar and do, you know, sets of eight or 10 banded chest of our pull-ups. It works tremendously. So I'm going to throw one at you and see if you think this is accessory. I consider this accessory for me. I ride the C2 bike four to five days a week. Wow. And I ride for anywhere from 10 to 15 K sometimes as far as 20 K, but usually 10 to 15, four to five times a week, just at a moderate pace. All right, Mr. Peloton. Yeah. Well, but I'm not sprinting and I'm not treating it like spin. It's not yeah. like spin where you're speeding up and slowing down because that's a different workout. This is about endurance and time. And for me, mm -hmm. I consider it accessory work because it, it, uh, is so low impact. Mm -hmm. I feel nothing on my knees, joints, ankles, feet, whatever. Yep. Uh, I really, at this point, I really don't feel anything even on, you know, my quads or hamstrings or anything. Mm -hmm. Like it's not even exhausting. All it does is continually keep me trained for, you know, 120 beats per minute on my heart rate and working out for, you know, 20 to 30 minutes at a time. It, for me, it makes those longer workouts at CrossFit infinitely easier because I do so many 30 minute bike rides, a 15 minute workout at CrossFit seems like a vacation. Almost. Sure. Yeah. I mean, 
I personally haven't really done too much of that. There was a time where I added some accessory rowing pieces. Um, we do program in one of our courses to help people build an engine. It's called endless engine. And we, we program, you know, multiple sessions a week of longer, let's say 15 to 30 minute pieces of varying intensities of run, bike and row. And all of that does help, you know, obviously running is higher impact, but uh, something like a bike and a row are are relatively low impact. Um, You could also swim as well, but yeah, there's something to be said for having your heart rate, up, but not all the way up, like traditional, you know, quote unquote, CrossFit Metcons and doing it for an extended period of time. And for me, the way I get that, like anecdotally, like I do that all the time here in Colorado, one playing pickleball, uh, but most importantly, playing uh, or, or riding a mountain bike. I go ride a mountain bike for an hour and a half, two hours, and the heart rate is in like the 140 range, maybe a little hot for some people, but that has definitely contributed to my CrossFit. And then what's cool is my CrossFit also helped me pick up mountain biking a lot more quickly than most people and like be willing to do the sprint, rest, recover, sprint, rest, recover of the flowy trails. Uh, but then like also riding my bike for these longer durations, all of a sudden these longer cardio workouts, I'm like, hey, I'm feeling pretty good. So I, I think there's, there's definitely something to be said there. Um, it's not something that we program as often, but for everyone who's like, man, I wish I had a bigger engine the spoiler here is just doing like eight minute Metcons isn't going to really help you build your engine. So sometimes you do need to take those longer pieces and it could be a single modality. Like you said, like hop on a bike or do a 30 minute EMOM. I remember back when I followed uh, Invictus programming way back in the day, everyone remembers if, if anyone ever did this, he would program 30 minute EMOMs that would just crush your soul every single Wednesday and it was just that capacity building. It was just a longer workout than we've ever were really used to or normally face inside, you know, the confines of a CrossFit gym. But it would really, really help make those shorter workouts or those mid-range workouts feel a lot more doable. Yeah, I do so many 30-minute plus bike rides now that I don't even look at the clock in a CrossFit gym. I yeah. truly don't. Like it just isn't something that's concerning me because I can, I've kind of at the point now where I can look at a workout anyway and give you a sense of how long it's going to be. Like I know how long the movement should take. So I, you know, if it's going to be under 30 minutes, I don't even blink at it. And for me, that's where that kind of accessory work for me is, you know, made me, you know, mentally better at, at doing CrossFit because I'm not as concerned about, Oh my God, it's a 24 minute workout. This is going to kill me. You know, I do a 20 minute EMOM 20 minutes is so long. Well, it's, you know, it's a different mindset. Like people that do spin, like I have a bunch of friends that have Pelotons and, you know, they're always talking about their 45 minute and 60 minute bike rides. Like they've just cured cancer. And, you know, I tell them about my 15 minute workout at CrossFit and that's what they're doing. Oh, you only did 15 minutes. What are you doing? Or like a five minute Fran. And they're like, they're like five minutes. That's nothing. And then, you know. Yeah. yeah. So certainly, you know, I, I'm not, you know, slamming Peloton because those are certainly hard workouts. It's just different. Different. Very different different on your body. So, mm-hmm. all right, next topic, I'm going to move on. So let's talk about this. So we'll kind of stay in the same vein though. So movements, um, I want to talk about scaling. So movements that masters should consider scaling almost every time. And I know there's a big, like a lot of gray area here, mm-hmm. a lot of what if, but there are movements that when I look at the whiteboard, if they're on it, I scale it every time. Are there any that you look at and you think, our master's athletes coming in, they should at least consider this for the sake of their bodies for longevity. 
So I will say again, and I know I mentioned this in our last podcast is number one, what is the goal of this master's athlete? If we are looking for someone who is just like, Hey, I I'm in here. So I can play with my grandkids longer. And I'm in here purely for a longevity and just having fun. And I don't want to expose myself to any, any additional risk than is necessary. I would caveat that because if you're trying to get better at CrossFit and you, and you want to have fun doing CrossFit and picking up new skills, then I would say that I, there's probably very little actual real data showing that any particular movement is more dangerous than others. Maybe there's some crazier movement, you know, like ring muscle up, handstand pushups or something like that. It just sounds crazy. I'm sure more people get injured doing those than uh, an air squat. However, if the person is just looking for longevity, then you have to think about the the movements that maybe expose you to positions that are not functional <laughs> because we call it functional fitness. And actually I'm going to make a video about this one day. We call it functional fitness, but there are some things that are inside the gym that are not functional. Burpees functional. You need to be able to get on the ground and get back up. However, handstand pushups, probably not something you'll ever need to do. Uh, so what would be a functional version of that for longevity and strength development? Z presses or strict press with a barbell or strict press with a dumbbell or seated dumbbell presses, things like that. Another example would be, uh, you know, or let's kick back upside down again, handstand walks, right? Is there ever a point in our lives where we will need to handstand walk in order to survive? Or like, it's something that, yep, granny one day is going to need to handstand walk down the sidewalk to avoid her feet touching the ground. No, it'll never, some, if someone can send to me a scenario where handstand walks are a functional movement, other than in rare cases where let's say someone doesn't have legs, uh, other than that, I, I would be hard pressed to find something like that. We're coming up against a whole generation of CrossFit grandmas that are going to be able to handstand walk. They're going to prove you wrong. And I love it though. Like I'm here for it. I encourage, like if, if someone came to me and they're like, I want to learn how to handstand walk. Um, in fact, a guy that I met here in, in Denver, he's a handstand coach, Kyle Weeder, I believe is his name. Really cool guy. We were brainstorming business, things like that. And he's like, yeah, I taught my mom how to do handstands at 64 years old. And I'm just like, that's awesome. So it can be done. I'm not saying like with the right progressions and the right coaching, anyone can pretty much do anything. And I know that's super broad and vague, but uh, people surprise me every day. I've had, had a guy come to me, Tom Mulbiner. Mulbuyer, uh, and he wanted to learn a ring muscle up by the time he was 60 and he had, didn't have any, and now he can do 10 in a row and he's like 65 years old, <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, it's crazy. And he, and he does it perfectly without any injury. But again, looping back around to the initial question, like if you are someone purely focused on longevity, like John, I know that you are not someone who's like, yep, I'm trying to make it to the CrossFit games and I want to be an all RX athlete. And I want to, you know, come in here and crush the young guns. Uh, if that's not your your mindset and you just want to have a fitness routine for the rest of your life, then I would probably avoid uh, kicking upside down. I'd probably avoid really high volume, uh, crazy gymnastics. And when, like, like, so ring muscle ups. If there's a workout that's like, oh, you got to do 30 ring muscle ups for time today. Probably, probably not something that, 
uh, a master's, especially an older, older master's athlete, let's say 50 plus would need to do because there's a chance that maybe you get a little tired and you let something slip. And then all of a sudden you're falling through the rings and on your face. Um, so butterfly pull-ups like that's maybe, yeah, there's some coordination involved, of course, but butterfly chest of our pull-ups while they're quicker in workouts, that's more, that's mainly like a sport thing, right? That's like, if you want to get better at the sport of CrossFit, butterfly chest of our pull-ups, sure. Great. But it's not necessarily something I think that carries over into a functional environment. So those are, those are just a few off the top of my head. Yeah. I, so for me, it's all about risk versus reward. When I look at the movements, when I'm scaling for myself and talking about with my coaches, it's all risk versus reward. So it's funny you said butterfly pull-ups. I've said, like, I can't do them. I don't care to do them for a number of reasons. The big one being uh, you look like a fool. But the second one being you look it, like a salmon swimming upstream. You look like a seal flopping around. Like, it's just it's just goofy. Um, they're, and they're just for speed. That's the only thing they're for. They're not, they're not better for you than kipping pull-ups or strict pull-ups. They're just for speed. Yep. And, and so if you're not competing you don't need to know them my opinion um i hadn't really thought about the handstand push-up thing i definitely scale out muscle ups all the time mm-hmm. again it's risk versus reward for me it isn't the risk of falling on your face although now that you have that in my head i'll probably never do them again oh uh, wonderful yeah the for me it's you know it's you know i know you said it in our last episode that you know there's no or maybe even this one, there's no, um, you know, inherent risk to your shoulders for doing muscle ups, but I do have, you know, kind of a reoccurring thing. And I always seem to get them when I do muscle ups. So, sure. and it I could be a volume to, thing as well. It's like, Hey, yeah. you know, like do a couple muscle ups, which I know we talked about in the first episode. It's like, are right, your workout calls for muscle ups? Okay. Like expose yourself to it, but maybe tone the reps down a little right. bit rather than going for all 30. Here, here are the big three that I look at scaling anytime I see them. Box jumps, rope climbs, and running. And I'll tell you why on all three. Now, I do all three, and I do all three regularly, but I, I don't do box jumps more than once in a week. I almost always, if, if they show up more than once in a week, the second time I'm doing step-ups, step-overs, lunges. Is that an Achilles thing? or It's a fear of blowing out my Achilles. Yeah. It's uh, again, it's risk versus reward. It's so not one, one thing there, just like, just to say it is like for everyone listening, a, a surefire way to avoid at least the, oh. the Achilles injury of box jumps that, that does have a, a, a bit of a prevalence is whatever you do, never rebound box jumps. Um, I never do it even. Um, and you of course can safely, and people have been doing that for years, but jump up, step down. That's a great way to help yourself avoid that impact and avoid that, that risk of maybe landing a little awkwardly and pop goes the Achilles. So jump up, step down. That, that is one way to, to quote unquote scale it, but still do the movement. Yeah. And look, it's part of it, but there's also, you know, I have pretty shins. I don't want my shins. To <laughs> uh, you know, there's people with cameras around and I've done a lot of box jump memes. I don't want to be the cover of somebody's uh, post for the week. Have you ever been on one of your memes? Yeah. A couple. Okay, good. Yeah. Just making sure, uh, you know, rope climbs are kind of the same thing for me. Like there's something I need to know how to do. There's something I will do and do occasionally, mm-hmm. but there's also the falling from 15 feet 
sure. it's a very real issue that can happen. And at my age, a fall at that height is, you know, much more dangerous than when you're 25. Sure. Uh, and then, you know, running. You have life alert? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I still remember watching like Nickelodeon yeah. and there'd be an ad for life alert. Like, I've fallen and I can't oh, get up. I can't get up. Uh, and then running for me is a big one. You know, I, I think everyone should run, but it's a high impact activity. It's hard mm-hmm. on your ankles, hard on your knees, um, hard on your hips, hard on your body. And yeah, especially if you're running on asphalt, it definitely, you know. Well, and there's a, there's a lot there, you know, like I've had a run coach before. I would advise to anyone listening, if you've never had a run coach, go get one. They're really invaluable and, and running well can protect from that. But, you know, running is a movement just like anything else we do in CrossFit. When you start to get tired, you get sloppy. And when you get sloppy, you know, all of a sudden you start feeling your ankles and your knees and your calves hurt. And there's just a lot that can happen there. And so I try not to overdo the running. So I'll often scale to an assault bike or a C2 bike or a rower, or, you know, whatever the coach wants me to do. Um, now, here's a, here's a question for you. When you run, mm-hmm. let's say um, you did do two running workouts in a week or three even. Like, do you personally feel like quote unquote injury or, or, or extra pain or, or, or do you feel something uncomfortable because of that? Or is it something that you expect to feel? Um, I'm protecting from that more than anything else. And for me, it's like, I, it's not the fact that I'm running twice. It's like, what's the distance of those runs? So like, I know, or have a sense of what my mileage should be over the course of a, you know, five to seven day period. And so if the coaches, you know, often you'll sit, particularly right now in the summer where it's really nice out and it's pretty like we have a kind of a month and a half period here in Cleveland where it's gorgeous and the rest of the year is cloudy and snows, you know? And so right now everybody's running a lot, you know? And so, you know, four days a week on the whiteboard, you're seeing, you know, yesterday was, you know, 300 meter runs for six rounds, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you'll see it again tomorrow will be, you know, four rounds of 400 meter runs with stuff in between and, by the time you add it all up, by the end of the week, you've run, you know, five or six miles, you know, which it isn't a lot when you're a runner, sure. but when you don't, when you don't run a lot, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, keep in mind, I have a, again, this is, is particular to the person. I have a background in running. Like I've run mm-hmm. a couple of marathons. I've run, you know, or run one marathon, several trail, long, long, long trail runs, uh, a couple of halves. Like I got more medals out in my garage. I don't know what to do with. And so this I, guy over here, Mister yeah. Mister Metal Man. No, I took a couple of years where I wanted to be a good runner, and I got pretty yeah. good at it. But I know what it does to my body, and I know what you have to put in to do it. So it's just a movement that I always consider scaling, as opposed to saying, "All right, well, tomorrow my calves are going to hurt all day." When you don't well, have to do that. That's the key, I think, right there. As you said, I know what it does to my body, and like what I want to say about all of this is like. If you're a master's athlete and you do handstand pushups and you're totally fine, doesn't crick your neck, you're like, no, these are great. I can do them. Then there's no reason for you to stop doing them until your your body shows you that maybe it's not something you should do. Same thing. I would argue the same thing with running. Uh, in fact, I got in a discussion with CJ, uh, our physical therapist here at Watt Prep the other day, where he's like, uh, you know, a lot of people focus on running form. And that's obviously something that is important, but they, they're like, man, running kind of hurts. It must be my form. Meanwhile, Joe Schmo over here is running like a freaking, you know, buffoon. And 
I'm just trying to come up with a non-cuss word here. He's running like an idiot. And he's like, man, running feels great. You know, so it's like, it's like all this. It's so funny. People assume that moving X way causes X pain when really that's just like nonsense. There's a lot of people that move really, really bad and feel really, really good. So I would say regardless, when you're approaching like, which movement should I scale? Use your history of tweaks and injuries as maybe like some sort of barometer there that's like, hey, the last six times I did handstand pushups, I wasn't able to move my neck for, you know, a couple of days and it felt kind of like tweaky. So this time for handstand pushups, I'm going to do less reps or I'm going to substitute a different movement or in your case running. It's like, yeah, the last few times I went running, you know, my knees were fired up for a long time. So maybe I'll do the first round of the run and then move to the rower and the bike on the final two rounds. Just like things like that, where you look at and say, what is, what is my body history show me about this movement? Don't assume that something is inherently bad. Um, I would say something that is inherently bad is like beating your knees with a hammer. That would be something that's bad. But most of these movements, there's, you know, tons and there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who do them frequently with terrible form and feel perfectly fine. So just use your body as the judge. If your body says, no, I don't like that, that movement, it tends to cause something to flare up. Then like we mentioned in that first episode, you can adjust the range of motion. You can adjust the amount of reps you're doing or distance you're doing it. Uh, and then you can a- adjust the actual movement and scale it down. Well, that's why it's important for you to track all of this stuff. I mean, like I've said forever that past performance is, is a really good indicator of what your future performance is going to be. Mm-hmm. And tracking allows you to see that. And I think it's important to note that, you know, these movements by themselves I'm sure people are listening going, what an idiot. He's always scaling running. Well, maybe if I were always scaling running, I don't always scale it. If the workout is running and sit-ups, I'm not scaling the running. If the workout is box jumps and running, that's a lot of knee impact. One mm-hmm. of the two is getting scaled, mm-hmm. right? And so it's important to look back at what you've done and start to realize that movements are not always the same depending on what they're paired with. And what that overall impact to your body is going to be. And, you know, the easiest way I think of it is like deadlifts don't really blow up my back. When I do Diane, which is deadlifts and handstand pushups, my back gets blown up mm-hmm. if I'm not doing strict handstands. If I'm kipping them, my back's going to hurt. Like it's, you know, movements have impacts on each other. So, it, you know, that's I, I, a long sermon to say track your movements and listen to your body and yeah. start piecing together what's really hurting you. And then, you know, I always have my short list of what I use to scale. And to your point, like, it's not going to be the same for everyone. Like, I'm really good at handstand pushups. I'm gonna, today, the workout is actually, uh, there's two of them, but one of the two is a 10 minute AMRAP of, uh, 30 calorie row and 20 handstand pushups. And my plan is to do a moderate row and then do the handstands unbroken. Yep. Cause I'm really good at them. You and know? you have a history that says, Hey, this is, this is something that's totally fine. And I'm willing to flip upside down on a wall. Yeah. And so help me God, if I get injured doing them today, we're going to have a great fourth episode. <laughs> It'll be fantastic. You won't. You'll be fine. <laughs> All right. So here's an interesting topic. This is off the topic of scaling. Uh, but I thought it was really interesting because I, you know, I don't really think this way, but I'll be interested in your feedback. So someone messaged me and said, I need help trying to figure out how to handle my 20 year old coach. 
this this is a master's athlete. And so I think kind of the subtext here is, you know, you've got someone that's my age and they're being, you know, coached and taught and instructed by someone who's half their age. Um, I was just curious if you've come up against that before and, and how you've dealt with it. Cause you're young. You're just a babe. Yeah. I mean, I've run into it before. Um, I guess, you know, the, did he give you any, or he or she give you any more context on like, other than just like, how do I deal with this youngster? Is, <laughs> was there any other context there? No, that was pretty much it. But I, you know, I think I got this, I've seen it happen so often. Like I'm, maybe I'm inferring too much here, but I think that is an issue for people. Like I made a joke the other day in the gym, uh, they were putting on music and I'm like, how about some Bon Jovi? And the guy's like, who is Bon Jovi? And I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ. Like, what, you, what is a Bon Jovi? Like, are you kidding me? I'm like, when were you born? And they're like 1992. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Slipper one wet had already been out for five years at that point. <laughs> you know? So it's, um, you know, I, people of my age, it is like a struggle sometimes to find that connection. Sure. Um, and I can see where there have been times, even my career where I've had, you know, a, a 20, early 20 something, try to coach me on a movement that I know they're wrong in. Mm. And so you have to find that moment of you want to be respectful of the coach and not, you know, talk down to them, or at least I do. Maybe others have a problem with that. Like just, you know, how do you deal with it? Yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, So knowing, let's just like make a, we'll make a like hypothetical scenario. Um, And this is one that I've seen. And one that I've been guilty of too. Back in the day when I first started coaching, I was, I guess I was around 20. Um, I might have even been 19. Let, and let me give you a scenario. How about that? I'm going to give say you what? Here's, let me give you a scenario. Oh, you lay it on me, brother. Lay it on me. Because we've just spent all this time talking about master's athletes. A 20 something doesn't know what it feels like to have a 50 year old body. Yep. That's and where so- I was going. Yeah. Okay. So I got to come. So you're my 20 something coach. I got to come in and explain to you why I'm scaling because my ankles hurt because I woke up and it's five degrees colder than yesterday. <laughs> and, right. and for his warm up, he's like, all right, guys, do a couple, a uh, couple of these like arm rotations and like, let's like crack our neck. And then uh, you guys ready? Yeah, exactly. Like how, how do you make that connection with the 20 something coach that doesn't understand what your body's going through? So I think one of the biggest things in any relationship, I mean, my God, first of all, go read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, right? Like he really talks about navigating um, scenarios where if you're trying to get someone to see your point of view, one of the worst things you can do is just be like, you don't understand, you know, because they're like, wait, what? Um, What I've had, and I've literally had people do this for to me is like, let's say we're in the middle of a workout. Um, you come in and I'm my, the 20 year old self is programming some, you know, like really short warm up that doesn't help anyone. And it's just like, all right, let's just, let's just freaking, let's just get after it. Let's start lifting real heavy. And you don't feel warmed up all the way. Just politely ask, like coach, Hey, like it's, it's, I feel like I'm taking a little longer to warm up these days is there any way that I can go do a little bit of extra rowing or can you give me a little bit more of a warm up? Cause I'm feeling, I'm feeling kind of tight right now, or I'm feeling like I, I'm not ready for this stimulus. If you go on and ask them and then they kind of like, I still keep them quote unquote in the position of authority. That's so much better than just being like, 
old Johnny over here doesn't know what it's like to be 50 years old. This whippersnapper back in my day, you know, it's, and then the kids like rolling their eyes. Um, I would just like approach them with a firm stance saying, Hey man, like I really don't feel like I'm, I'm ready to attack this running one RM deadlift day. You know, I'm not ready for this yet. Is there any like quick little five minute warm up that you could do for me to help me get ready? Or is there any way that I can go do a couple things on the side to, to help warm my lower back up? You know, just suggest something. A lot of times when you, when you come at it with a collaborative attitude to the coach, the coach is going to be like, Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, everybody, let's go do this thing. Like let's warm up just a little bit more because they're feeling like a million bucks because they're 20 and they just had their first, you know, beer, uh, three days ago. Um, but they, they, you know, also maybe had their first kiss They're you know, they got an A on their, on their, you know, exam. They're really excited. They're feeling good. And meanwhile, you are again, struggling to get out of bed because there's a low barometric pressure system rolling through the atmosphere. Come at it with a collaborative attitude and don't undermine the coach. Anytime you undermine or say like, I'm not doing that, that's wrong. If it comes to that, sure. But if you start with that kind of attitude, that's like the wrong spot to be in. And again, don't come at it from a condescending attitude. Like you don't understand what it's like to be 50, right? Okay, you don't and they don't, whatever. But if you come out and be like, hey, like, remember, I'm a little bit older. Um, I feel like I need a little bit more to warm up. Is there anything else I could do to help get myself ready for this workout? Right now you're putting the ball in their court. And if they're a halfway decent coach, they're going to be like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, let's do this. And then all of a sudden, like you're allowing them to be the coach, be the quote unquote person of authority, but, and you haven't undermined them, but you said still like said your piece, you know, they're a bad coach and they're like, Nope, suck it up, go grab a bar. Right. <laughs> it's just like, all right. Uh, but most coaches I would say are, are going to at least work with you in some capacity. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I would, I would add, you know, if it came to it, maybe talk to the owner. Like I, I'm imagining the scenario, most 20 somethings aren't the gym owner. Right. Sure. And, but I, and to your point, make it collaborative. Like I would position it of, Hey, they're, I'm again, making some assumptions. There aren't a lot of people, masters athletes, you know, 15 above like myself in gyms, like my gym, for instance, is mostly young people. There's about three of us that are around my age. Right. Yep. But I would also believe those owners would be very happy to attract more people in that age bracket because they're the ones with disposable income, right? It's yeah. kind of a no-brainer. So I'd go to the coach and tell them, hey, I, I think I can help you, but you need a master's track. People my age have different needs to their bodies. I can help explain some of the needs I have. Maybe that could help you in your, your warm-up programming, you know, and, and position it of, hey, this could be a, a benefit to your business, Long term, you know, because most masters athletes aren't stubborn like I am, you know, like sure. I'll do things just because you tell me to, you know, I'm just stubborn that way. But most people have far more common sense than me and aren't going to do that. And they're not just going to come in and join a cross, you know, they haven't done CrossFit for a decade, you know, they do it for a week and they realize these workouts really hurt. And if they're not getting properly warmed up and, and the right kind of instruction and don't feel like they're getting feedback from this, you know, in this scenario, a 20 something that doesn't understand their body, um, you know, they're going to tap out and quit paying yeah. you. And so I, yeah, I would say, talk to your owner and try to make it collaborative and, and see where they can help. And I'm sure there are, you know, t there are tons of master's tracks out there that can help you've clearly, you've got a master's group in at Wide we Pro. do. Um, 
you know, and there's a ton of stuff online that can help you with that too. But I, I love your idea with the collaborative approach. So, yeah, I mean, whenever you, whenever you're like trying to avoid conflict or trying to negotiate with someone, if you just like, all right, what's in it for them? If you make it all about yourself and then also accuse them of not knowing what they're doing and you're just undermining, 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 they're probably going to come back with a more aggressive attitude or just could cause conflict, but just come at it like, Hey, you know, I would love it if, if there was any way that you could program a little bit of extra warm up for me on, on, on days when we have this show up or, you know, Hey, I've been, I've been feeling a little tight going into some of the workouts. Can we add an extra five minutes to, to the warm up for me, or just give me something to do on the side and I'll join into class you know, a little bit after three, two, one, go, you just like present some options and a good coach or especially a good gym owner is going to be like, okay. Uh, and you make a great point where it's like, Hey, I'm the only, you know, older one here. However, I know that some of the older members would really appreciate it. If, if maybe we had this X, Y, Z option, what do you think about that? Maybe we could attract more older members to the gym and the gym owners can be like, uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good idea because you're, you're making it about them, not about me, me, me. The only other thing I would suggest, and this is mostly for the gym owners, if you have a 20 something in your gym that's in control of the music and they say, Hey, you guys want to listen to oldies and they put on Nirvana. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to throw hands. Cause that's an actual scenario that happened in my gym once. They're like, Hey, let's put on some oldies. And the first song was Nirvana. And the second song was Pearl Jam. And I'm like, I'm about to punch somebody. Third eye blind. I mean, really yeah, bringing like, out the old school stuff. I'm like, this know? is like my college soundtrack. Smash mouth. I just, I felt like I needed a cane and a walker to go home with. It was, it was miserable. All right. Last topic. Uh, you brought this up when we jumped on the call, but I, I thought it was interesting and I'm really interested to hear. So books, people should be reading for mental toughness. I hear people talk about mental toughness all the time and it's become more apparent to me in the last, gosh, probably six to eight months, particularly after COVID of mm -hmm how much mental toughness is important to help you uh, get through what we do. So what are some books you're reading for that? Oh, wow. Um, even though I did suggest this topic, I have a plethora of books. I am a huge reader. In fact, actually the shirt I'm wearing. I can tell you, you use the term plethora. So you must be a huge reader. I'm very well read. Nobody cares to work harder. That's, you know, I don't know. Stolen from someone, I'm sure. But I, I think it came book um, from the book Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. That dude is a nut. Um, I don't recommend necessarily people following his training regimen. However, I'm a huge fan of audiobooks. Listening to Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, or if you want to want to read the hard copy, that's fine too. But when you listen, there's like an extra podcast in there. That's one of the best mental toughness books I've ever encountered because it truly shows you what what the human brain and body are capable of when you just don't accept no for an answer um, or don't allow yourself to weaken. It's fantastic. So that'd be probably the number one on my list is Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And I highly suggest listening to it on Audible. There are so many other ones. And I'm looking at my bookshelf over here. Um, let me go grab a couple. I just got to bring them back. And then I'll, I'll read them. Oh my God. You're going to make me edit this podcast because you're going to grab books for a topic. People. Yeah. That you came up with this topic and now you're making me riff as you go run across your headquarters and look for books. 
to prove to everyone what a great reader you are. Thank I'm you. Not proving anything. <laughs> you realize this is an audio podcast, right? They can't even see you running across the room. I've got to watch it. And for God's sakes. All, all right. right. You're back. A couple more that I really, really love is Chop Wood and Carry Water by Joshua Medcalf. Really small book, easy read. It's it just shows it's it's almost like a fable, and I'm pretty sure it is a fable, of of just hard work and consistency leading to mastery of something. Another book is Mastery by George Leonard. Fantastic. Like one of I actually don't have it here because I probably loaned it out and they never gave it back. Uh, but fantastic book about just like trusting the process. Um, and I, I can't do it justice trying to explain it here, but those are three that I, I would say are some of the bigger ones. And then uh, some of Ryan Holiday's books like Ego is the Enemy and uh, The Obstacle is the Way. Those two are kind of classic brain books where, where it's all about, um, it's kind of like stoic philosophy where challenges are things that you should appreciate you know, don't ask for a life with no problems, ask for a life with good problems. And yeah, so that, that would be my list. Those are, those are my top, I don't know how many I've given five at this point. All right. We'll, we'll call those from now on. We're going to call these Ben's bestsellers. So I think I'm going to require you every few episodes to bring some, some light reading to the group. Oh, I have so many books. Awesome. <laughs> so our, many. This will be our little book club and I'll, uh, I'll go pick one up. We'll do, I'll give you a book review. How about that? And I think I actually have a, it's either on YouTube or on uh, the Wad Prep blog. Uh, we have an article that's like top books for CrossFitters or something like that. All right. Well, why don't you uh, send me the link and I'll drop it in my bio and we'll, we'll get do. it out to people so they can check it out. All right. Well, this has been fun as always. Good stuff today. Look at us agreeing again. Maybe. I don't know. You, you said you don't like doing, what was it? Rope climbs? So we, and running. We, we didn't have the exact same movements, but I do think we have a lot of the same philosophies. That's yeah. for sure. Well, look, if, you know, we don't have to agree on everything. We're not married for God's sakes. So there you go. Oh, is that what marriage is? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Of course it is. It's always agreeing. That's exactly what it is. Uh, good times. Yeah, I actually do. So I just looked it up. I have uh, several, I have I think a couple articles on mental toughness on our website that brings in a couple different books that I've read. So highly, highly recommend it. Even if you're not a reader, it's one of the best things you can do is invest in your own mind. You know, try always be educating yourself, just like listen to a podcast like this, I guess it technically counts. Uh, but there's actual professionals that write books and they're really good to learn from. Perfect. Well, I'll get the, send me the link. I'll get that in my bio so people can find the books. Uh, for those of you guys listening, Get, if you're not subscribed, get subscribed on all of our channels. We love or any channel that you like. Uh, we'd love for you to you know, be a permanent listener or watch on YouTube, either one that you uh, want. And uh, we'd also appreciate it if you guys send us DMs for topics. And we're pretty much covering these from listeners and, and viewers that are sending us messages. That's where they're coming from. So send them to us and uh, we'll be happy to talk about it. With that, we'll let you guys get back about your day. Ben, good seeing you. And uh, we'll chat with you guys soon. Always a pleasure. Peace.